0: Positive rotation.
1: Ignition. You guys have a nice flight. We'll see you back here.
2: Welcome to Roll Call, a 126th Air Refueling Wing podcast of the Illinois Air National Guard at Scott Air Force Base. I'm your host, Master Sergeant Brian Ellison. The Roll Call podcast focused on people, mission, and community. Thanks for listening. It's been a while. Coming up, my conversation with author and recruiter Staff Sergeant Tawan Williams. He's one of the newest members to the recruiting team. I have been gone for quite a while, it feels like. I've been at uh, Joint Force Headquarters in Springfield working with the state's partnership program. I was helping the state get ready for a reunion between the Illinois Army Guard and their uh, Polish Land Force counterparts. The uh, two fought side-by-side during Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan Illinois was one of the first states to embed with their uh, state partner, and it was the largest commitment of soldiers to their state partners. Some of the Illinois troops uh, that were uh, embedded with the task force, uh, with the uh, task force White Eagle, reunited with their Polish counterparts in Warsaw to begin with, then uh, went on a whirlwind three-day tour of Poland. I was a part of that, and... Uh, We were coming and going, but we learned a lot. We met with uh, several Polish Army units. I was, uh, like I said, part of one of those groups. I I hope that the Air Guard can put together a trip like this. It was just, I I learned so much about Polish history, including the Warsaw Uprising. They have an amazing museum dedicated to that 63-day battle that happened towards the end of World War II. And just uh, the month before that, I went with uh, the wing to Poland for our aviation detachment rotation at Povitz. The 126th flew daily missions, refueling the uh, Polish Air Force's F-16s. The wing also did the first hot refueling of a KC-135 in Eastern Europe. If you get the chance to go over to Poland with the wing or for our uh, other state partnership uh, opportunities... It's just a great way to, to see the bigger picture of our mission and to experience uh, Poland. The 126th Air Refueling Wing is uh, on Air Force Connect. It's an app that uh, the Air Force has put out. You can find it anywhere you download your apps once it uh, opens up, go to the uh, bottom right, click on the star. It will take you to the Add More section, and just search for the 126th app. It shows all the Air Force units. It just uh, Luckily, we're 126th, so we're near the top of uh, the list. Tap the plus sign to the right, and, uh, and you're in. You'll find uh, wing information, schedules, news, and the proverbial more. Coming up here on Roll Call, we're going to be talking with uh, Tawan Williams, Staff Sergeant Tawan Williams from the 126th uh, Air Refueling Wing uh, Recruiting Office. He'll talk about his book. Yep, he is an author. More on that.
1: Hi, my name's Senior Gregory Godair. I'm uh, part of the 126th Comptroller Flight, and uh, I'm a financial manager here. My day-to-day job... Um, I'm an accounting technician, basically, so I'm in charge of all the squadron's uh, purchases, and I make sure they hit uh, the books correctly. What I like most about being in the 126 is I'm an AGR out here, so I work out here full time. Um, with that, I get a bunch of opportunities. Um, traveling is probably my favorite opportunity. Um, I've been to a bunch of cool places, like um, Washington State, which was the first time I've ever been there. Um, I also play on the base softball team. Um, So I get to travel with them quite a bit as well. I joined the Air National Guard because after college um, I had a couple jobs I didn't really like and I wanted to have an impactful career and make a difference on my community. I chose the 126 um, because I could pretty much stay around all my friends and family and still be part of the Air National Guard. I joined the Comptroller Flight um, because my bachelor's in Business Management it kind of just fell hand in hand with uh, working with finances. But one huge benefit I've been taking advantage of is uh, my full-time pl- employment as an AGR. Um, as an AGR, I get duty um, pay, benefits, and everything that goes along with being active duty, but I get to stay home. Hi, we are the 126 Recruiting Team. I'm Master Sergeant Heather Wildy, Recruiting Flight Chief. I'm Technical Sergeant Richard Olson, Production Recruiter. To learn more about career training with the 126, give us a call at 618-222-5701.
0: But oh, wait, there's, there's more! Give us a call in the next five minutes and you could qualify for four years of free college tuition.
2: Joining us today on Roll Call from the 126th Air Refueling Wing Recruiting Office, Production Recruiter, Staff Sergeant Tawan Williams. Thank you for coming in today. I appreciate it. It's been a a while since I've had anybody, uh, since we've had a podcast.
0: Yeah, it's my pleasure.
2: We have to also say that uh, you're an author. Yeah, I am. Yeah, let's talk about the book. Let's talk about the book first. Uh, The book is uh, called Life Stings. The Overcomer uh, didn't understand why it was called uh, Life Stings and still, until I read the story about the, the hornets. What were yeah, those yeah, called? Yeah. The, they weren't murder, murder hornets, but they might as well have been.
0: Yeah, yeah, Asian hornets.
2: Wow. Yeah. 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 yeah, don't mess with them, right? Is that, <laughs> they, that's,
0: they could be deadly. <laughs> yeah.
2: Boy, that, is, uh, that was a, a scary scene in the book. Yeah. Uh, how'd the book come up uh, come around?
0: Well, um, I actually have to uh, go back to... Um, the work I was doing in, in the city of East St. Louis, um, I was writing this book. It's been it, was, it took me about seven years to write that book. Um, I kept putting it down year after year because it was uh, it was a book um, discussing some traumas that I I, I care incurred when I was a younger younger child, and um, and I was seeing those same trends with some of the students I was running into, and I kept sharing my story to motivate them and encourage them to help them overcome their traumas. And um, I, I realized that I wasn't going to always be there. And so I began to develop this book so that they can have something always um, alongside of them for them to um, be able to overcome some obstacles that they may have in their lives. So the book came um, um, from the um, from the past of me running into situations and incurring and these things that I knew that I overcame. Um, and then I thought about that first time that I had an issue in life and... And it stung. <laughs> and it stung. It certainly stung. Yeah. I mean, well, you can go
2: back to uh, to the to the foot incident yeah. as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
2: You, uh, I gotta say, uh, you were a firebug, and uh, I, I thought I liked fire when I was a kid. Boy, <laughs> you really liked fire. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, luckily, can I say nothing major happened? Right. I mean, can we say nothing? I mean.
0: Everybody lived.
2: Everybody lived. <laughs> how about that? And if you want to find out more, uh, we're here with uh, Staff Sergeant Tawan Williams. His book is "Life Stings: The Overcomer." How did the How did the 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 people that you, the kids right you met mm-hmm. your kids in uh, East St. Louis? How did uh, they respond to that book?
0: Oh man, that that book um, was a major shift for them because not only they was able to not only able to. Grab a hold to a book and be able to read. Most of them read it in a matter of that day. I gave it to them. Um, they was giving it to. The, actually, it was the parents that, that um, gravitated towards the book because they realized the um, the change in the kids over the years of me working with them. And they were always wanted to know more about me and um, personally. And so when they brought the books home, the parents read the books. And um, I found that the parents was able to utilize the the. the um, information that was in a book to help them uh, raise their their kids and understand their kids' traumas and knowing how to respond to some of the issues that they may be encountering on a day to day basis. There's daily traumas that we don't we don't recognize as trauma. Okay. Um, a lot of times, somebody can get hit by a car. I'm four years old and I see that tra- that tragedy that thing would be with me for the entire life of my time, um, of me existing. Or if I I see a parent, my parents get into an argument and someone stumbled over, whether they got hit or not, now it's in my head that my parents get in physical fights. The parents may have never known that that was something I saw or experienced, but it's something that played in my head that I never was able to talk to someone about. And then every time something occurred in that manner, it triggers something and we don't know what it is. We didn't realize it happened all the way back then. And trauma has to be um, dealt with, or it's gonna continue to develop to be harder and harder on you in life. And I feel like, yes, um, trauma's just across the board. It just look different. Do you have a degree in psychology? I don't.
2: So how did you, I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. how how does, I mean, I don't think I have the self-awareness to go, oh, I'm reacting. How did you come about to, to know that you're reacting to trauma?
0: Uh, Self-help, self-studies, research. Um, I have taken social work classes. I I have taken psychology classes. I haven't completed um, degrees, but I have taken the basis of it and researched enough and went through personal trainings to uh, understand the basis of what those things look like. And then I start to pay attention to it. I started to watch it over years after years. Repetition after repetition of the same responses, the same reactions, and I started to understand that there is something wrong there, and that at that point I began to dissect it and right. and learn that some of these things after talking to these teenagers and these and these young adults, finding that they act in a certain way, and then I dig all the way back into they four or five years old and find out that some of them have the same common. Errors in life, that uh, things that took place in their life, which is why they responded in that way. And once they was able to talk about it and and actually um, get that thing out of them and be able to face it head on, the whole dynamics of life had changed. And I was like, wow, it clicked. It's, it's something that they dealt with for 10, 15 years and a conversation about it that they can own themselves, changed their whole lives.
2: That is, uh, that's simply amazing. Uh, um so, you're uh, you're in youth development. You mentor, is that right? Yes. In uh, East St. Louis mm-hmm. Youth Development.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and life coach.
2: And life coach. Um, tell me more about this youth development, and how long you've been doing it.
0: Uh, well, I've, I've been doing youth development for over a decade now. It's been about twelve years now that I've been doing um, co- um, life coaching and youth development, character development, um, and um, and it it came from. Me being a teenager and all my other teenage friends and family looked towards me for advice, looked towards me for uh, motivation and encouragement, looked towards me to do the right thing or the wrong thing. And when, whatever, I was I an was in, influencer. It, it seemed as if I was influencing the reactions of others and I had to really pay attention to it because one day it was, a, it was a pivotal moment in my life where my my younger brother, he's two and a half years younger than me, came home with all Fs on his report card. Right. And my mom looked at the report card and snapped out on me. And I was, like, I, and I was baffled. I was like, what's going on? Why am I I'm not getting in trouble? I got better grades. I'm good. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she said, it's your fault he got all these Fs. And I said, what you mean by that? You know, and I mean, she going in on me. And I'm like, dang, him got the Fs. And she said, you bully him. You always picking on him. You always messing with him. I said, really? I thought I was just being a big brother. You know, that's what we do. Right. You know, and I had to sit back and think about that. And and I was wondering why he was so angry all the time at school, fighting all the time, didn't want to listen to the teachers. And it 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 was nobody but his older brother that he wanted to look up to, that he wanted to respect. And I'm turning around, taking advantage of that and bullying him. And at that moment, I realized that my influence means a lot and it affects a lot of people.
2: Right. And, and that's uh, something you talk about mm-hmm. in, in the book mm-hmm. is uh, that scene with your, your mom and, and realizing mm-hmm. what what did you change? Uh, did you change like right then and there and just just clicked in your head that, like, mm-hmm. hey, I just need to treat my brother better. Mm-hmm. And
0: well, if you knew my mom, you know that if she say do something, you better you better get it done <laughs> quick. <laughs> you yeah, better better move fast. But at the same time, I, I was always a person who um have had a good heart. It was it was never my intentions to hurt or harm anybody. And so when that came to my reality, I began to work on it and try to work it out and figure it out. And um I think the the shift changed on both ends is when I decided to move with my dad. And um and I ended up uh, turning my life over to Christ and trying to trying to do right and be this positive person and then my younger brother came over and he assumed that I was that same guy. And um and I was trying to get him to do something because someone, it was a family member, passed away, whatever. And so everybody was at the house, and he was acting out. And I was like, hey, bro, hey, let's chill out with that. And we went to the room, and and I was trying to talk to him. He, he hit me like three, four times in the face. Dang. I'm like, yo, I ain't trying to fight you, bro. I love you. You done? And I said, all right, well, just get out my room. And <laughs> from there, we became the closest Ever, because he realized that I wasn't attacking him anymore. I was only there to support and help him. And um, I believe that's when we became the best brothers ever.
2: So how did you get started in uh, youth development? What, what brought you to uh, that?
0: Well, I, I had the, I was looking for um, a, a second job, and I ended up working for the YMCA. Um, they had an um, after-school program um, called 21st Century. And that's when I officially started doing um, youth development because um, they they did that after school with the students. They come and do arts and crafts, sports, and homework, and you know it was to help them to get extra school time to, you know, spend, spend in a safe environment. And so I did that, and then, um, but I couldn't take care of my family off that part time income. And one of my my actually my director, um, um, he said, hey. I know some people called Christian Activity Center in East St. Louis. I know that's where you're from, and I know that's where your heart is. They have a full-time position doing exactly what you're doing right now. Oh, nice. And um, he said, I introduce you. And so they helped me with my resume and got it over there to the director of the Christian Activity Center. And uh, once I walked in, I got re- received with open arms. It was like I already had the job already. And they gave me the program called Pathways. They gave me the program. It's a college access program and career readiness. And I said, it's missing something. Um, so I developed the character development part of it. And um, and from there, it just went crazy. Um I mean, everybody. All other programs started coming, trying to figure out the curriculum that we had put in place. Had me coming to speak and try to set up their programs, um, because those kids went from uh, ten to thirteen kids to fifty to seventy-five kids coming Monday through Friday to eight o'clock at night. Did not want to leave. Big to stay, and and they went from getting Fs and Ds to As and Bs. They um they they was. It wasn't going to graduate That I was asking I said Oh you all plan on graduating But I can't even see Our life past 18 What you mean graduate Like I was like wow And so They all Most of them are in college Some of them working Like master's degrees Um it, It just been It was an amazing Amazing shift To see what took place And it wasn't just my work It was a work of a team However Um I was, I was a pivotal point of it because I, I had to run it. <laughs> I had to lead yeah. it, and I had to help develop, um, help develop it. So it was, it, was a, it was an amazing sight, and that let me know that I had a passion for, for what I did and I had a purpose for what I do. And so I had to find ways to continue to do it and um, do it um, successfully. So
2: you're doing that as a volunteer
0: now? I do it as a volunteer now. Um, I go down there and help, the, help them with test um, training now and um, character development. How often do you do that? Uh, it's about two, two times a week.
2: Oh, okay. Um, I mean, because you got a busy career now as a, as a recruiter.
0: Yes, yes. The recruiter life, jumping straight into recruiter life, um, it's been real good because now I get to go in the schools. Right. And, and also have the resources that they can use to accomplish the things I'm talking to him about. So all the things I was doing at first, I had to go and hunt down resources and, and avenues for them to be successful in their career um, or their choices in life. And But now I have something I can hand to most of them and say, hey, here's a resource that you can use to pay for you to go to school. Here's a resource you can use to have income coming in or have a trade, a certificate, or have some dis- discipline. Right. Um, that's what one reason I joined because I needed some organizational skills and some discipline in the things I said I was going to do in life.
2: Staff Sergeant Williams just came out of uh, recruiter school, mm-hmm. and uh, how was that for you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> recruiting school, it's a, it's a, um, it's it's going, to, it goes around that recruiting school is the hardest tech school in all of the military.
2: Re- yeah, I, I'm sure yeah. it's got to yes. be uh, a hard because I mean. You're learning how to sell something
0: yeah, it, in a way it's a lot of strategic strategies that we have to take place and learn and it was challenging but guess what I'm back you're I'm back here I'm in one piece I'm doing the job and so I made it yeah you made <laughs> it
2: you put in uh one airman right uh just uh last week
0: yeah I did right
2: yeah. at the beginning of the fiscal year you got mm-hmm. another one coming in th- this afternoon yeah. so uh, yeah. that's always
0: uh yeah 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 and I got about Five more on the books, working on getting them done. That's great. Yeah.
2: How have you worked your time as a, a youth mentor into uh, what you do here in the military?
0: Um, well, the, the military, they're looking for strong-minded individuals that can come in and get the job done and support the mission. My job is to find those, those individuals that are seeking something that, um, that will help them support their mission. And their mission is to get out of the situations they in mm-hmm. and, and be successful in what they put their hands on. So my, my job is to be that middle person, help develop that individual, prepare them, get them ready, and then bring them and put them in front of someone who have the resources and tools to get them to where they're trying to get go, which is helping the ones that's trying to get that mission accomplished with the bodies that they need.
2: What made you uh, join the Air National Guard?
0: Okay, so I joined the Air National Guard um for one one reason um however, I always wanted to be in the military since high school, and I missed the opportunity several times um at the tw- at my twenty seventh year I said in high school that if I'm not rich at twenty seven I'm gonna go ahead and go to the air force <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have a plan; I just said i was gonna be gonna be a millionaire and if not that's plan b is gonna be go to the air force and um I went into the end of my 27th year. And they was like, well, you're too old because the age was 27. And so I said, okay. So I left it alone. I continued to own my life. And then I talked to a good friend of mine, which was in the, Air National, I mean, the Army National Guard. He's an officer in the Army National Guard. He said, hey, the age is not 27 no more. It's 34 or 30, 38. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, like that. yeah. But it's 39 now. So, so I said, oh, really? He didn't think I was going to go and do it. I I called him the next day and was like, "Hey, I turned my paperwork in and I, I'm I'm all set up, get ready to go." He was like, "Huh?" I said, "Yeah, I I did everything. I, I went the next day. You told me." He's like, "Oh, wow!" And he and so he accepted me to because I wanted him to be my mentor, right? And I wanted to prove to him that I I do what I'm supposed to do. And so from there we became he became my mentor and he was helping me out with everything. And um, so but I ended up back to the question. I ended up. Um, joining the Air National Guard thinking I was going to the Army National Guard because I, I really wanted to go to the Air Force, but the Army National Guard at that time was paying um, paying for my tuition, oh. my prior college uh, um, loans. Right. And so I was like, well, I can get my loans paid off. So I went to the door, and it was locked. And I said, ain't nobody up in here. And so I looked across, and I saw the doors over there with the North National Guard And so I said, oh, they just moved in. So I went over there, turned my paperwork in, um, set up everything. And when I was getting ready to go to MEPS, my recruiter picked me up to take me to MEPS to take my tests and everything. And they kept saying Air National Guard, Air National Guard. I was like, why do they keep saying Air National Guard? What's the Air National Guard? I never heard of Air National Guard. Uh I only know of the Army. And so come find out, I ended up in the Air National Guard instead, which I was so pumped and excited about although they don't pay for prior student loans, but I got some so much of the so many more better benefits that I was so excited. And so I mean, ended up in the Air National Guard by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, so
2: what made you choose the 126? The
0: 126? Um, I didn't know anything about it. Okay. So um, when they said the 126 Air Refueling Wing, I was like, Air Refueling? And so I started learning more about Air Refueling. I was like, oh, that's awesome. You know, I actually came in to be security forces. Right. Okay. Because um, I was going to go and take a job as a state trooper. Oh. And that was the whole reason I joined the Air, air National Guard. But... Um, once I started seeing what what the mission was, and I started to see the op, um, the jobs as a crew chief, I became a uh, um, a crew chief, and um, it, it was it was just down here from there, I'm up here from there, because <laughs> it, it was amazing. I I love my job. I love what I did over there in the different positions I did, the deployments, the TDYS, um, but I knew that my passion was still missing somewhere. I was able to go and volunteer in the community and stuff, but it was still something I was missing. Because I went from the same thing when I was in electronic engineering. I have a degree in electronic Mm. engineering. And I was doing electronic um, um, repairs and stuff like that. And that same passion pushed me to developing youth. And I found myself doing the same thing for the aircraft. And it was just a reminder that my passion needed to be with these young people. And so I shifted all of that love that I had for those aircraft and, and maintaining it and went back to maintain the work I was doing in the community. And uh, that's how I ended up back in, in recruiting <laughs> to get back in the schools and in front of these young folks. But 126 is a home for me. I love it.
2: Yeah, I do too. I mean, 17 years in the Army and yeah. uh, Army, regular Army, uh, Army Guard, and mm-hmm. I, I found a, I found a home here in the 126. And it's nice. It's great. I yeah. love it here. What's that like to be back in the schools, uh, back in the yes. schools, talking to kids?
0: Oh, it's life for me, it's life for me, yeah, they are different. These kids are completely different <laughs> but but they are they are um what my passion is, you know, I love to see them grow um I love to see them from uh ten twelve year olds and then see them at twenty year olds come across that bridge of teen life um and saw how they just toggled war from being a kid being an adult want to be an adult want to be a kid every day of their life until they become an adult and they say wow i'm i'm there and and for me to feel like i had a piece of that being a part of that knowing that there's so many people missing a father in their life or, or just a a, a, a a clear-minded adult <laughs> you know in their lives and be able to Help steer them in the right direction, or help the parent to get them in the right direction. Because a lot of times they just don't want to listen to the person in their house. They they need to hear from not. somebody else. Yeah, you know. And so,
2: uh, you get to go to East St. Louis uh, High School and recruit there.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah. one of my that's one of my locations. That was one of my first picks. Uh, nice.
2: <laughs> so yeah, you get to see any of the same teachers uh, there when you were there?
0: Well. um, it may be one, two still around. I graduated 20 years ago, so <laughs> so it's a few of them still around. But uh, a lot of my classmates are the teachers and principals now. Oh, yeah. that's great. Yeah, so that that's pretty cool because I get to go and reminisce on some things that we did in school and look at some of these kids and be like, you remember when we was doing that? Yeah. So let's not be too hard on them. Let's figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, – yeah.
2: that's great. Um you, you, like you said, you're from East St. Louis, and uh, I remember I remember growing up. Bob Shannon, right? Bob Shannon, yeah, and yeah. head coach of East St. Yeah, Louis Flyers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How's that football team doing? All right, they
0: they still rocking the house. They still making it happen. <laughs> uh, they got a big game in Mississippi this uh this next weekend. Next weekend got a big game. I'm thinking about trying to make it out there, but um yeah, East Side still running the running the field. They making it happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. uh you know and. Uh, we we got to talk about East St. Louis. I, I know it gets a bad rep, but I mean it's got a lot of history to it. A and, lot. Yeah.
0: City of Champions.
2: Yeah. I mean, uh, just talk about some of the people that are from there. I mean, one of one of my favorites, Miles Davis, yeah. is, is from there. I can I would, only imagine. And I got a small, I got a small connection to East St. Louis. Only that uh, I think my grandparents met there because that was like the place to go in the '40s and '50s. Oh yeah,
0: Tina and Ike and.
2: Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Miles
0: Davis Elementary School is where I went. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. That's how I
0: found about Miles Davis.
2: Yeah, that's awesome.
0: Jackie Jordan is still making a lot of headway down there. She's still doing a lot of work.
2: Yeah, Yeah. she's got her own center over there.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I talked to her a couple of days. I mean, last couple of weeks ago. Yep.
2: Name dropper. (laughs) (laughs) I see her in the distance when I go someplace. Like, oh, hey. Uh,
0: She's very approachable.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm. What kind of work is she? You ever team up with her to do some work? Yeah. Yeah, I have. What uh, what do you do with her?
0: Uh, well, I actually do some um, volunteer down at the JJK as well. Um, and they did a career, uh, career for her in award ceremonies, and I kind of spoke there and, and participated in a few things there.
2: Oh, that is uh, fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I tell you what, somebody that made a, a, an impression on my life is uh, from East St. Louis. My uh, The last sergeant major I had in uh, at AFN Europe uh yeah. latoya sizer i believe right. she graduated from uh, i think she graduated from east st louis i'm not exactly sure but uh she always told us to choose your attitude that's one oh, of yeah. the things that i remember from her now she's a a doctor okay doctor sizer. doctor sizer. yeah so um uh, a lot of great I mean, what's what's happening in east st louis these days
0: well there's a lot of projects taking place in east st louis right now um um they have they have uh State troopers, um, headquarters moving down. Um, they they're developing a lot of um, properties to um, move into, um, brand new houses. Um, they they're doing a project light up the city, so they're gonna put tons of lights <laughs> in them dark crevices and areas. That's very necessary and very needed. And then they're doing a huge hiring for the police force. Um, so if anybody in the police um, arena that's that's trying to uh, get it get their they they. Career field moving even further. They can go down to East St. Louis and apply for those po- the police force, um, and they they really going to be looking for quite a few folks. So they doing they got they got a big a lot of big projects taking place in East St. Louis um, that's going to help what I do for as the youth development because now they got it's going to get it's getting cleaned up more. The abandoned buildings getting tore down, uh, the roads getting repaired. So that helps me to reach those teenagers. That's not hiding in abandoned buildings They may be hanging out at the gas station or something where I can actually approach them and say, hey, let me talk to you for a minute. And, um, so it's been, and then it's jobs that's been more available to, to um, a lot of people now. So if you got jobs, you got safe environments, people would do more safer things. <laughs> right.
2: Know? Can you talk about jobs that you have opening here? In, uh, when you talk to kids out in, in, uh, in your recruiting – What do you tell them about the guard? And uh, what do you tell? Well, first, what do you tell them about the the Air National Guard?
0: Well, what I tell them about the Air National Guard is first I ask them, in what way do you want to serve? Because whatever way you serve, you serve. Um, But with the Air National Guard, it's almost you serve your way. I tell them this: this is the adult branch. That means you get to make a decision on what job you work. And you need to be accountable for the job you work. (laughs) You know, you need to be an adult with the things you do, and you get to serve at home. So a lot of people are. homebound. They want to be home around their families. Um, I know back in St. Louis, I know it's a lot going on, but we're very family oriented. We always want to be around our family, no matter if they're good or bad. We want to be right. around them. So it's just knowing that you can be close to home and still serve your country is a huge, huge benefit. And the education is ridiculously crazy. Like you can go to school and they will pay you to go to school. Like not only are you getting your tuition paid, you actually going to be able to buy food other than noodles and pizza <laughs> right right so i mean i think uh the benefit of joining the guard is like uh, it's huge because you get to go to school full-time and you get to stay stay nearby the, near, near your home right and not have to worry about a being, lot of kids yeah. interested
2: in in the guard
0: uh get yeah, i get uh, quite a few um a lot of people that um afraid of going to the military is because they feel like they're gonna get deployed or sent off to another country somewhere right and not be able to come home ever again. <laughs> you know, and yeah. that's like the first thing they say, how no, you gonna send me off. I'm like, no, <laughs> you get to serve right here at Scott Air Force Base. That's awesome. You know, and they'd be like, oh really? For real? I said, Yeah. And while you serving, you get to go to school full time. You go to school. <laughs> right. You ain't gotta worry about okay I gotta go to go do work. No, you go do your school. We want your education, right. and so they they excited about the fact they get to serve and go get their education and have some money in their pockets while they do it.
2: Any is there like a particular job they they wanna they wanna do or are they just yeah. like I just want to come in.
0: They just want to go to school. That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of them think they want to do like uh, infantry and stuff like that. But I'm like, do you really like?
2: <laughs> do you really? Yeah. Yeah, I like so,
0: so um, but if the ones that do uh, introduce them to security forces and um, they find that it's a milder way of doing infantry. Um, so they, they, they really, um, they're really excited with the fact that of the benefits of education um, and being able to stay at home while they serve is the two biggest things they can do.
2: That's great. Yeah. So you were an older guy uh, that joined the military. How old were you when you joined?
0: Yeah, I joined at 34. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, There's no way
2: I don't know if at 34 years old I could have uh put up with that. Uh, it was
0: tough. It was tough. Not only it was it only not only it was tough for me to go and do it, it was tough for my family. Um married, three children, teenage boy and two younger daughters. It wasn't it wasn't easy at all. Um which is why <laughs> which is why I ain't tell him I was joining. <laughs> <laughs>
2: until afterwards, I didn't
0: tell him until I got officially in where they was like, "Okay, you got you you are going, you passed the test and all that stuff." Um, I think I had to tell I told my wife I was going to take a test for the Air Force. At that point is when she found out. Um, but I already turned in all my paperwork and everything.
2: So what was uh what was the the your family's reaction?
0: Well, the reaction was, uh, we can't deal with you being gone. We don't know what to do. Like, what are we supposed to do with you being gone for that long? And I, and um, so we took a little time to prep them up and get them prepared. But they understood the benefits that was going to come behind it. Yes, I'm going to be gone. Yes, no, neither one of us want to be away from each other. However, the benefits that's going to come with the uh, medical benefits and the retirement packages and the stability financially, because I work for none for profit. Right. That money comes out of personal people pockets. If when they when they, when something happened, they gonna stop giving that money. I'm gonna stop having a check. Mm-hmm. And that happened a few times before. So me trying to take care of three children and a spouse with part time income that's sometime coming in. <laughs> I had to do a lot of hustling. I had to cut a lot of grass, cut a lot of hair, wire houses, put ceiling fans in. I had to do all types of work to make sure that we kept a roof over our head. So me joining the the guard at that age was a no-brainer for me um, because I saw the stability. I ain't got. don't have to worry about their medical situations. I, I know that I have at least this check coming in. Um, and then all the TDY opportunities and and then the full time opportunities that came behind it i i was only tra- i don't think i was ever traditional really no when i first came in i did all my training I, they added more time i was able to do more training um then i did a TDY I went to germany for a couple of weeks um came back did some more training <laughs> and then by the time i was done doing all this training it was uh, it was an opening for a position that i took a I took a temporary AGR position and then I deployed and then I came back for another temporary AGR position. Then I took a permanent AGR position. So never really was traditional.
2: That's got to be just uh, it must have been exciting for your wife just to Mm -hmm. be able to have know that she's got that stability. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They
0: love it. Now we on base. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. We just recently moved on base and they love it. They got access to anything they need. And and it's just awesome.
2: You went to you went to basic and then you went straight on to tech school. Tech school.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Wow. How long's the tech school for, crew chief?
0: Crew chief. It was about three months. I think oh, it was about that's not months. too bad. Yeah. yeah. So you had um, you right. had basic training, um, eight weeks, and then we went, went off. It was like a week later, week and a half. My uh, tech school started. So it took about took about seven week seven months total for the whole process.
2: Right. Uh, tech school. Where's that at?
0: Uh, tech school was in um was it um wichita falls in texas
2: oh well yeah, 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 yeah. i was at fort sill which is like oh, yeah. 45 minutes north so, on 44 okay. i think yeah. yeah yeah well i
0: found something to do i went to a rodeo for the first time in my life <laughs> <laughs> it was I, like yeah i'm gonna go to a rodeo i said okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> what'd you think Bro. of it oh, it was a good time yeah <laughs> it was a good time <laughs> Uh,
2: what's that like uh, being an older guy uh, in basic training? Is, it, is there uh, some uh, there's some benefits to it?
0: It was some benefits, and it was some hard times because you got to be accountable for the actions of everybody. Right. So if you got an 18-year-old knucklehead that's tripping, I got to deal with that too. I got to go and hit the deck, or I got to go and stand over here or miss this opportunity because they didn't want to act right. So I had to take a lot of leadership. And it was a lot of leadership um, that we took. And it was, a, it was a few of us that was older. Really? In the upper 20s and 30s. And so we controlled that whole area. And we was the number one unit group um, out there because we made sure it was our, our MTIs and, and instructors. They didn't even have to do anything. We used, used to tell them, go ahead, we got this. <laughs> nice. Yeah.
2: That yeah. is fantastic. Uh, do you keep keep track of those guys from uh, basic.
0: Oh yeah, I still got some good friends right now that I communicate with on the regular. Mm-hmm. Um, in uh, Georgia, Virginia, New York, uh, Texas, <laughs> talk to I talked to quite a few of them. Um, mm-hmm. Post been making a visit out there, so oh nice, yep.
2: nice. All right, thank you, Staff Sergeant, T- Tawan Williams, uh, Production Recruiter for the One Twenty Sixth Air Refueling Wing. Thanks mm-hmm. for coming by. Thanks for sharing uh, uh, your no wisdom. Doubt. Uh, he is the author of uh, Life Stings, The Overcomer, and uh, literally, Life Stings.
0: Yeah. Uh, you'll read about that
2: story <laughs> in, in the book and, and a lot of great stories, just yeah. about how uh, you uh, overcame and, uh, and just uh, you're a leader in East St. Louis.
0: Yeah. 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 I like to say uh, you never know how to nurture the seed unless you know the nature of the, of the seed. Uh,
1: Um, well, there's a long list there. Uh, the things that I hear about every day, for example, suicides. Uh, we just had a report on, on disparity within the force. And there's a lot of instances in which people don't appear to be getting the same kind of results as other people. We've got to work on that. We've got to work on people's attitudes towards uh, how they, they perceive uh, people are treated versus how people, other people perceive, perceive they're treated. Uh, we're going to be implementing the uh, Independent Review Commission on Sexual Assault recommendations pretty soon. Uh, there are issues with both housing insecurity because of increasing rents, and to a lesser extent with food insecurity, in the of course. All those things need to be addressed. At the same time, we need to be doing everything we can to develop people professionally so that they are prepared to deal with the types of threats we're going to have to deal with in the future.
2: If you're having thoughts of suicide or know someone in crisis, call the Military Crisis Line, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. Press 1. There is a chat lifeline. Also, you can chat through their website, suicidepreventionlifeline.org. That's suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Another way to get help is the Crisis Text Line, text Help, that's H E L P to 838 255. The crisis text line, again, text the word help, H E L P to 838 255. You can find all of our links on Linktree, linktr.ee126ARW. Do you know we have uh, Snapchat? Yep, I just put a story up there, or whatever you, the kids want to call a Snapchat. Uh, also, I have put uh, stuff on Instagram. Go ahead and check out our Instagram as well. You can find that on our link tree. That's linktr.ee forward slash one twenty six a r w. If you want to pass along some information, you can email roll call at one two six arwcom pa.dot.mm.dot.org at us.af.dot.mil. If you want to pass along some information, you can email roll call at one M-M at dot dot mil. Thanks for listening to Roll Call, a one twenty sixth Air Refueling Wing podcast focused on people, mission, and community. I'm Master Sergeant Brian Ellison
1: we good on approach landing.
2: 500 stable. 100. 50. 30. 20. 10.